When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I was doing so well. We got to the last game of the season and you didn't bring up the worst thing I've ever done on a football pitch. <laughs> Fuck me. I wasn't expecting that. It was I mean, revenge on some poor fucker, some innocent sty- bystander. You had nothing to do with this. Let's just put a, bit, put a bit of context in this. Some lad stamped at your stand and foot. He tried to break your leg. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. Only five teams this season, Aston Villa, have failed to beat in the Premier League. Liam Doherty, can you name them? Manchester United. Correct. Manchester City. Correct. Ooh, getting tight now. <laughs> Burnley. Ah, fuck you, yes. <laughs> Sheffield United. Incorrect. First game of the season, Emmy oh, Martin. Is. Fuck, yeah, of course. This is better. This is better than your FA Cup one last week that I got right. <laughs> Christ, I don't know. I'm going blank here. Two more that you're not going to enjoy. One of them, Brighton and Hove Albion. Oh. The other one, David Moyes is West Ham. Dear Jesus. Dark old days. That's when it really <laughs> started to get bad for us. Yeah. But you know what? If you had offered me that at the start of the season, I'd take it. Victories against Spurs, victories against Chelsea, victories against Arsenal, Leeds, Everton. Most, like, most teams in the top 10, most teams in the bottom 10, and 55 points. And you know what? Two games with fans there, two victories. So you're actually being made a bigger mug of every week as this goes on. <laughs> Your prediction that Villa would crumble under under the speculation of fans or the, the spotlight of fans was completely wrong. Villa are thriving under it. For any new listeners, go back to fucking three episodes ago, whenever Conan made this claim. <laughs> After the Crystal Palace game where he completely wilted and I was like, imagine there were fans there, that would be 6-2. It would be 6-2. Um... <laughs> Turns out, an away game, they were they were enjoying the fans. And a home game, they were enjoying the fans. And both times faced some adversity. And both times came away with big victories against Spurs and Chelsea. I'm, I'm delighted we've ended the season like this because we were just so worried that it was 
it was just coming crashing to a halt and it was going to peter out and become a nothing season in the end but big wins to end it off and good performances as well yeah absolutely i think martinez cheering to the crowd after saving from chilwell is the moment of the season really it really really harked back to the first few weeks of the season the yeah. good old days like you know the type of performance we were getting up to christmas full of guts and courage on and off the ball application concentration and defensive noise against a very good if somewhat rudderless chelsea team but then on the ball as well just looking so effective so dangerous they were getting through a lot and even in the moments where they had possession they were really really courageous with the ball they were playing passes through the lines it wasn't always working for them but jesus christ that was a great display it was, and it's exactly what we, yeah, like you say, what we were doing so well at the start of the season. And that, that Martinez moment is just brilliant. That's that, that's a player who deserves to be playing in front of fans and deserves to be loved. And you can see the boys in the front row are loving him turning around and they're all trying to get him to see them. Like, that that's a hero there in front of them. He's made an amazing save. Like, he, he's gambled that Chill will, will hit it better into the near post and it goes across and he, he gets it with his legs, you know. So he has a backup plan. He's got a contingency plan in the one dive. I, he just loves it, like, and it, it, what I love about Emmy Martin is now he's definitely less of a loser than me. But every time they concede and he doesn't get that record, I always think, "What's he must be fucking raging? What's the point in him playing the rest of this game?" <laughs> Emmy Martinez wants to win football matches. He doesn't like the record's nice, but like that's not what he's there for. He loves making saves. He loves shutting teams out, and he fucking loved that. It was great to see. Ah, it was absolutely amazing, and was what a man to have. At the start of the season this year against Sheffield United, the comparison, the contrast between the goalkeeper we had the last time we played Sheffield United was just there for everybody to see. And it went all the way through to today. What a fucking season. What a season. Here, I can't figure out if Stuart Atwell's a legend or not. <laughs> I definitely enjoy games way more when he's playing. And it's, it's, it's a low bar for the rest of the Premier League referees that... Somebody completely mental makes for a better view or makes makes for better refereeing, basically, because he is consistent. He lets things go. He doesn't get caught with like soft fouls. He, he doesn't he doesn't blow the whistle every time somebody hits the ground like a lot of referees do. Um, and I definitely thought it was funny when he wasn't giving Jack Grealish a yellow card early on. <laughs> like she, you know, Grealish came clattering into Jorginho's jaw, and because of the way Atwell dealt with it, VAR didn't even look at it. <laughs> you know, it's like he just dealt with it so with so much authority, and they dealt with it with so much common sense, I suppose, as well. And then the, the sliding tackle from Jack Grealish on Mount, like he was crying out for a yellow card. There was a few more little incidents as well where it could have added up to just persistent fouling, but but he didn't give it. And then and then like when it's happening to you, then like happened against Leeds. Now you remember the first game of the season or the first. Defeat of the season when Leeds beat Villa 3 0, and Atwell was in charge, and he wasn't given anything, and it was frustrating. But again, he was fair tonight. Sometimes it's annoying, then, like you know, when, when somebody deserves a yellow card, like Kovacic got a yellow card there, but that should have been him being sent off. Like he, he, he scissored, was it John again or, or Greatly? It was Greatly, he scissored him to the ground and got nothing for it. And it's it's funny and it's all well and good, but it's like, yeah, come on, Stuart. But, in saying that, I still like him, largely. Ah, yeah, he's consistently mental. and But as long as he's consistent, that's all that matters. Villa yeah. have had some brilliant games with Stuart Atwell. Brilliant games to watch. The Leeds game was stomach-churning, but for anybody else watching it, it must have been really enjoyable. Yeah. Because Villa were a shambles 
in that game, so it would have been fun to watch. But Stuart Atwell is just <laughs> he's he's a man he's a man that makes football games better. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. But let's talk about this football game. Not only are Villa winning in front of crowds, not only are they going out in a high, you're getting 55 points, more than 50 as well. Your predicted 49 has blown up in your face. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, if, sorry if there are new listeners and they think you're in Egypt and not me. Um, but they've also scored from a corner. They scored from a corner. Maybe they just needed the crowd there. Maybe they just needed a fucking routine like we had been asking for instead of just lobbing it in, hoping somebody will do something. But lovely cross from, from Matt Target and lovely run from Bertie T. Not a great connection, but he gets his body over. That's what you're told to do. It's a, it's a tough connection to make when you're running around the corner and you're seeing the ball coming flying at you, and he still steers it on target and it goes in. Ah, it's it's a lovely corner, great run, perfect pass, a really really clever routine, and topped off with the the ingenuity of the finish. I mean, the disguise on that finish to make it look like he was mishitting it, the <laughs> commitment, the confidence to follow through with it, and like. <laughs> That's not an easy thing to do. I mean, the the ability to intentionally kick the ball into the ground and get it back up into the top corner, that's a really, really difficult skill. Bertie T was having fun out there. Do you know, I actually, um, I, I started thinking of him a lot more highly again. I know I do, I go back and forward on this, but it was the first time that I could hear a crowd watching everything he's doing. And he just he entertains him. He electrifies him and... Now, I know Villa were winning, but they didn't seem to turn on him those times he just lost the ball needlessly. You know, it's just because he's the one player in a tight match like that. He's the one player who's always looking to take somebody on and the crowd were getting on their feet. And, and you need that when you're at home. Like we always say, why don't people just, just take a few more shots, even if they're low percentage shots? It gets the crowd going, it gets the team up, gets a bit of momentum, pushes the other team back. People need to do that more. That That's what Barry he does in open play, where he's just... He, he lobs it over somebody's head. He knocks it around somebody else. He fucking nutmegs somebody for the penalty. Like, there, like, there we go, Jorginho. Keep your legs shut, mate. This time, he, he's not only nutmegged him and give the ball away, he's nutmegged him and Jorginho followed through and, and taking him off his heels. And it turns out all Villa needed to really start out that right-hand side was to bring Grealish and Target over there as well. <laughs> yeah, Bertrand, Bertrand Trory is the, the Stuart Atwell of, of footballers. <laughs> consistently fucking mental i mean juggling the ball over chelsea players for fun it's it's absolutely incredible stuff and the the finish is dreadful like rinsing Jorginho, amazing his feet are too quick he opens up the whole goals for himself and the the finish is dreadful and the penalty aston villa working really really well jack's pass to bertie t much like bertie's goal i assume is intentionally under hit because that's what wins us the penalty and look Everybody wins in this situation. Trory gets to have a bit of crack. He gets his nutmeg and all the frivolous joy and cheer that, that brings. And the rest of us get the penalty. Win, win. <laughs> and El Ghazi gets the ball 12 yards out and we, <laughs> we know what happens there. What a hero. Like, I've never been so um, so confident of a player putting the ball away now. Like, and I've never seen a, a better graph, you know, when they show the, the last five penalties hit or whatever. And just like, go, 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 go and all different parts of the net, and usually tight to the corners, and, like, there tonight, it's, it's just completely given, given the keeper the eyes, like, given Ke- Kepa the eyes, like, he's it, dropped his shoulders so much, it looks like, it does look like he's coming across, and he's absolutely drilled it into the other side, he's so, so confident in that situation. 
I actually think that's why he slips. I think he does everything right. He picks a spot, and then when the keeper goes early, he changes his mind, yeah. and that just makes him lose his footing. You've always got time to change your mind, and not enough people realize that because he is definitely going to spank that where Kepa's going, and he just controls it really well then to put it in the other side. Uh, but that's that's Anwar El Ghazi gets the ball for the first time to hit the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> he scores. I mean, that game is just a microcosm of Amor El Ghazi's season. A goal and fuck all else. <laughs> he actually didn't do anything else. It was it was crazy, apart from break down a few Jack Grealish moves. But uh, the Chelsea goal then, we had a bit of um, I, uh, stomach churning is the wrong word, but nervy final 25 minutes. Like The worst thing for that goal, the ball comes in and Werner misses it. Do you know, like that that would have done us a favor and it would have ended the move. Like, you know, he would have just put it wide. <laughs> but he misses it and it goes right through and, and they eventually get it in. And yeah, it's, um, you know, the goal was fine or whatever, but I suppose it was disappointed then just the way Villa had dropped off and started hanging on. And I know Chelsea really, really had to go for it. But yeah, actually, no, let's, let's talk about Werner first. Sorry, I know I'm, um, I'm going back and forward here, but. This guy is this guy having a laugh? Like, it's just a just a sorry sight. I think he needs to shave his head or something because now I'm looking at him, feeling sorry for him as well. Like he can't do anything, right? He he missed the ball twice before that as well. Like this time, it just happened to go through to somebody else, somebody more clinical. You know, there, there were two big chances that Chelsea had, but like the one that he flicks across of his head, he, he didn't miss it. He got he could have scored that easily. The header he puts across the goal, and then there was one that just. Bounced up the one they were crying for the handball on Tyrone Mings. He just completely missed the ball. Of course it's handball. You've like you faked you faked that you were going to shoot and let it let it run through. Like Mings didn't know you were going to do that. It was going through to nobody else. He deserved to lose the ball. Never mind. Fucking get a penalty. Oh, he was oh, he's a fucking mess. He's an absolute shambles. And this is the thing, this is what I meant. That Chelsea are a really good team, but they're they're absolutely rudderless up top of Timo Werner there. Yeah. How does this guy keep getting picked? The header from the Aspilqueta cross it misses the ball, essentially. It yeah. skims off his forehead. It's fucking dreadful. There's no conviction in it. If only Watkins did that once this season, I'd be calling for him to be out. <laughs> I'd be saying, start fucking Keenan Davis. He can't be at that. That's nonsense. <laughs> the, the volley. I mean, this time he does completely miss the strike. Like he very, To be fair to him, it's really nice of him. He really soundly takes the pace off the ball for Nakamba <laughs> to come in and clear it. <laughs> it's fucking pathetic stuff I mean he was so bad and has been all season it would really make you question possibly signing Tammy Abraham I mean yeah. how, how is Timo Werner getting into the team ahead of anybody let yeah. alone somebody we're thinking about signing for 40 million the, like, honestly this is like the question we asked um, it was a question we can't answer one of the first of the season back in the Liverpool home game 7-2 and one of the questions was how bad is Creeping Kelleher <laughs> you know, I know he's young, but it did make you wonder. Like Adrian's playing, like why the fuck is this numpty playing ahead of of Kelleher? Like how, how bad must the next person down be? And like Abraham's not seeing any game time. Never mind, just just losing out to to Werner. And like he can't he can't do anything right. There was a quote. There was an interview with um Tuchel, and we'll get to him in a bit. But he said, and I actually thought I liked it at the time, but I I don't. I don't anymore the longer I think about it. He said Werner was out doing extra practice, you know, it was a few weeks ago when things were just as bad as they are now. And he said to him, get in. Like, you don't, you don't need to be doing extra practice. You don't need to be 
thinking about it. We don't need to be talking about it in the media. It's fine. You're a good striker. You know, don't worry about it. But, like, you know, the fact that, that Werner's even, like, obviously in his head about this and he knows his shite and he, he looks like somebody who knows his shite as well. Like, that's the worst about it all. When, when Harry Kane goes on a run of three games, maybe, if <laughs> not scoring, you know, he never... Well, A, he's never shite, anyway. And he never <laughs> looks like he doesn't believe he's going to score. Werner looks like... He's just waiting for somebody to put him out of his misery. But like, what, what was what was what's he been out there practicing? What was what was Tuchel getting him to stop doing? Was he just, maybe he was just doing that. He was just missing headers from three yards out. <laughs> yeah, and I don't mean missing the shots. I mean missing the ball. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And it wasn't like Aspel Quetta drilled it in. It was a little lofted volley yeah. cross. Put your fucking forehead on it. It's like yeah, it's like this practice is pointless if you're going to keep missing the ball. So you're just yeah. wasting all their time. <laughs> the coach has to stare at here of you. Someone has to cross you the ball. Someone has to keep the lights on, keep the changing rooms <laughs> open. And you're not even kicking the ball, so you're getting no practice out of it. <laughs> oh, he's a fucking mess. <laughs> we'll get into WhatsApp wins and see there. Alright, here we go. Why the fuck does he keep fucking slipping? <laughs> You have an unhealthy obsession with people slipping on the ground. <laughs> Whenever you're running at full speed and turning quickly, sometimes you fall over. Yeah, but, but John McGinn falls over when he doesn't have the ball and he's trying to chase after somebody and he keeps... Like, we don't we don't need our centre defensive midfielder <laughs> lying on the ground as the team are breaking up the pitch. Yeah, like, he's just, he's just a little ball of energy, though, and he's going too fast, he's going too early, he's going too quickly, and when he tries to recover, he falls in his fucking arse. I mean, he's out of position anyway. He might as well just have a little rest. <laughs> Change your fucking studs. That's all I have to say on that matter. Second WhatsApp wins. <laughs> this was a bit more of a general one just for the last, the last 20 minutes. Look at the fucking state of this. What was wrong with the last 20 minutes? Villa had nothing nothing to play for. They were digging in against a very good team and Chelsea were playing for their lives, they thought. They, they looked out on their feet. They looked like, um, they looked afraid. Like, you know, it was like, get on the ball, dude. Get it to Chuck. Do something. Like, you know, like, yeah, we have nothing to play for. Enjoy it. Fucking relax. I, 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 did, I did appreciate the effort overall and, and how much they were digging in, but... Ah, uh, like, you know, come on, knock the ball around, get it back, have a bit of fun out there. I want to be entertained as well. Ah, yeah, like, uh, but there was a bit of entertainment in the tension. For some reason, I desperately wanted to win, even though our position was guaranteed. Oh, yeah. There's something amazing about that, right? I've played against teams before, right, you know, where they, they have nothing to play for, and they beat you, like, when you're going for something, and you're like, why the fuck are they celebrating? Or why do they care so much? Like, how, how desperate are they? And it's actually brilliant to be on that other foot now, because you're you are like sort of thinking Chelsea aren't coming here to take easy points off us, and you do get you do get invested in the race. You're like, you know, fuck that, let's fuck them over. Like this will be good crack to mess it up. Obviously, it's better as well. They have their fans there, but I was fully invested in ruining Chelsea's season for no reason. There's no interest, and in I don't care about Chelsea Leicester. In fairness, I probably would have prepared Leicester to go through, but. Um, yeah, like it, it is. It is a bit of fun just trying to fuck them over. Ah, yeah, I absolutely fucking despise Chelsea, but I I take the point you're making. It would, it would have been fun regardless. 
even if we were playing Leicester, I probably still would have wanted the win just to fuck them up because there's great joy to be taken, as everybody knows from seeing someone else bottle it. <laughs> Third WhatsApp wins. Why doesn't Emmy just come off and take his clean sheet? <laughs> and, and you know, I wrote this at 65 minutes when he got injured, when he crashed. Remember that one, the target? Oh, brilliant nudge on the back of Pulisic. Like, just, I've never seen a better example of basically fouling someone, but you're always going to get away with it because it was so well done. It was such a, a tight area, bending cross. It was going out for a goal kick unless Pulisic got in the way, which he did. Pulisic tried to volley it in and just targets, just nudged them in to make them volley it over the bar. And uh, yeah, Martinez got kicked to the ribs in, in the middle of all that. And then I was thinking, Jesus, is he, if he comes off, does he have the record now? He's got 16 <laughs> clean sheets. Come off, get your clean sheet, take the applause. I'm sure he was happier to have that save from the second the yeah. second show. <laughs> but that could, the, the target uh, foil that wasn't given was an absolute stonewall penalty. Brilliant. The classic football rule where if somebody shoots just as you're fouling them, it's not a foul. Absolutely <laughs> insane stuff. What the fuck is Thomas Tuchel complaining about? Like what a fucking knobhead! Like just you've seen you. If you haven't seen what happens, you must be able to tell now that the referee has that the referee's assistant has. They're not just giving away red cards for no reason. I mean, it's a really high bar they've set for this. Just calm the fuck down and figure out what happened. He's like he swung his hand back like like an idiot. Like he's he, he deliberately tried to hit him in the face. He's hit him with a bit of purchase, and you know he's, he's going to get a red card. Sure, Atwell's giving you a red card. It's a fucking <laughs> red card. Like this man will do anything to avoid that. Like he didn't want to give the free in the first place. It was it was great as she fouled him, but um, yeah. And then he spent the rest of the game just. You know, but or sorry, at the the post match his team had just qualified for the Champions League, and he was following at will down the tunnel, roaring and shouting at him about this this red card decision that's not going to matter anymore. Like Aspie will be suspended next season. Is he going to be playing next season? I don't know. I think Chelsea will buy ten more players in the summer. I don't think Aspie will be playing anymore as much as a a great servant he's been. Like what? what he's not going to be suspended for the Champions League. You're, you, you've achieved your objective. You wouldn't have scored anyway. You're shite. <laughs> You're not shite. But, you know, shut the fuck up. But, like, this is the thing. I mean, Aspel Quetta absolutely had shown Tuka what was wrong with his team. They needed to be calm. They needed to relax. They needed to just get back to doing what they do well and creating chances. They didn't need to be running around throwing their arms in people's faces. Yeah. And they definitely didn't need their fucking manager freaking out in the sideline for a, for a definite red card, a, a more clear cut red card. You couldn't you couldn't hope for. Like he needed to be emblematic of what Chelsea needed to do there. He needed to be calm. He needed to get his team back back playing football again. They completely lost the rag. I mean, but Aspilicueta, it's so stupid. It's so juvenile, so pathetic from a thirty one year old man. I mean, a fully grown adult. But not only is he the captain, we can talk about that, about letting his teammates down and all that bollocks about his leadership role. Or we can just ask, has this lad never been fouled before? Has has he never been losing a game of football before? Get a grip, you absolute scumbag. I know know there's very little in it. He doesn't commit to the slap, but he's swinging his arm at another man who's lying on the ground thinking that he's involved in a game of football, not a fucking boxing match. Absolute cowardly bollocks. And utterly pathetic. It's so fucking stupid as well. 
when you're pissed off because you're losing a game of football, punching every opposition player in the face isn't going to change that, Cesar. Like, you're not going to... You're not getting to the root of the problem here, pal. I mean, focus on turning the game around, not putting yourself in a position where you can do literally nothing to influence the thing that's getting you down. I mean, you're only going to feel better if you win this game. Getting yourself sent off is the absolute opposite of that. It's like having an essay to do and setting fire to your laptop or fucking (laughs) punching your teacher in the face. Do you see the yellow card that Werner got in place of Kovacic in the first half? So Kovacic should have got the yellow card, the, the one I'm talking about, the scissor tackle. And then they're big, uh, you know, the Villa players are rightly up in arms. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you know, why are you tackling somebody like that? And, uh, you know, so a bit of a row. Tempers are up. Atwell doesn't. <laughs> Flashy yellow card. Uh, the game gets going and bang, Werner just commits a foul on Bertie T and he gets the yellow card so he's the one just getting at them because of the the atmosphere at the time. It reminded me of the time we were playing in that five-a-side league and there was a, me and somebody were having a bit of a back and forward and uh, we, we were the ones that probably should have been sent out, you know, to, take, to give people, was a five-minute, ten-minute timeouts if you're, instead of a red card, you just get Simbin, basically. But the referee dealt with a coolie, told us to calm the fuck down, you know, five-a-side, relax. Finally got the game going. Some poor fucker takes the pass from the free kick. <laughs> you come in and absolutely cleaned them. One of those ones where you tackle them from underneath, but like your foot ended up at his face basically as he was flying <laughs> he was flying over your shoulder onto the ground. And then the ref said, Liam, get off. <laughs> you got the red card that I should have got. Well, in fairness, you deserve that one. I was doing so well. We got to the last game of the season and you didn't bring up the worst thing I've ever done on a football pitch. <laughs> Fuck me. I wasn't expecting that. And what I mean, was revenge on some poor fucker, some innocent sty- bystander? You had nothing to do with this. Let's just put a bit put a bit of context in this. Some lad stamped at your standing foot. He tried to break your leg and you turned around and said, what the fuck are you doing? And the guy said, next time. <laughs> next time. Next time on a Wednesday recreational five-a-side league, you'll break his leg. <laughs> Are you taking the fucking piss, pal? It's like, naturally, my back was up. And the little bastard that got the ball next, to be fair to him, he was shite. <laughs> to be fair to him, no, no, Listen, that was the first good touch that lad had ever taken. <laughs> if, if he hadn't have taken that touch, I was just cleaning the ball and going through him. He absolutely roasted me. So it looked a lot worse because I didn't get anything in the ball. I mean, saying face height is just is is putting too fine a point on it. It was about thigh height that I went through him and he went over my leg. And and to be clear, Conan, I, I, didn't, I didn't get sent off. I had spent the first half of that season bothering up the referee before every game, having a chat with him. I got on so well with the ref and he was never going to send me off. He just walked over to me put his hand on my shoulder and said, Liam, you're not that sort of player. Let's get on with the game. And I said, yeah, no, I know, Mark. The old classic fallacy, I'm not that sort of player. I couldn't have gone out of my way more to prove that I was exactly that type of player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody's that sort of player until they are that sort of player. <laughs> um, but yeah, let, let's uh, let's talk about Tuchel because he was sort of yeah emblematic, as you say, of, of Chelsea today. Like, and I, I find it so strange when when Leicester conceded a fourth goal and he's, he, he relayed that message to the players. Like, 
your team are still losing. Did you want them to stop playing? Like, what was the point of telling them that? They're still 2-1 down. They still have to score. And he was giving the message out to the team. Forget it. It's done. We're through. Forget about it. <laughs> what? Well, like, so, oh, sorry, right, we'll, we'll stop now. I was really thankful that he did it, because Chelsea did fuck all for the last six minutes. But it was uh, such a strange decision. It was it was so bizarre, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Was he worried they were going to get injured? Like, I don't know what he was... Like, you're playing a game of football here, pal. I, I know Leicester are two down, but it's... You know, I've seen stranger things happen. You know, teams can score three goals pretty fucking quickly. Yeah. And, like, Thomas Tuchel is an interesting one. I mean, he's got such a good reputation... We could say he was in charge of Dortmund. He was competitive against a, a dominant Bayern Munich team, or we could look at what actually happened. He finished second, 10 points behind. Then he finished third, 18 points behind. And then he finished fourth, 29 points behind, and was sacked. Jesus. I mean, we could say he won a treble at PSG, or we could point out he was given the league title with 10 games to go, that he was the manager of PS-fucking-G in the French League, that his front free <laughs> cost over 400 million. That Unai fucking Emery also won a treble two years previously. And we could point out that Tuchel was the manager of PS fucking G in the French League and was third in the table when he was sacked. I mean, we could also say that he turned Chelsea's fortunes around or we could say that he replaced Frank Lampard. (laughs) But the most important thing we have to say is we all have to agree not to play this back to me whenever Chelsea win the Champions League on Saturday. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about will happen though I actually thought it might have until I saw them oh, they were limping off in the FA Cup final and then stumbling over the line here and that's where he's yeah he's done the he's done the job to get them into it like in fairness they lost three games um so Lampard obviously didn't help him on this journey but I heard about his record in the finals as well I think he's won one and four or something like that um and apparently he has often just bottles, <laughs> you know, instead of going for it in a final, he believes in keeping it tight, and yeah, I think three of them have gone to penalties or something like that, um, you know that's his philosophy in finals, just keep it tight and see what happens, even like, remember Benitez he, it turns out turns out the one time Benitez really put his balls in the line and went for it in the 2005 Champions League final he was wrong to do it <laughs> you know, 3-0 down Left all that space for Kaka. Thank you very much. But um, but he did it. He played Harry Kuehl. He played Gerard in the holding role alongside Alonso. He thought like we his decision was like we need to we need to have a threat going forward. We need to be able to score. We need to give them something to worry about. That backfired, <laughs> but he but he, he corrected it. But even Benitez, who like you know was first and foremost a conservative manager, and they build from there. Like he, you know he knew in a final you have to try and score. You have to try and go and win it. Yeah, absolutely, and the way the way Chelsea played tonight was so lacking in intensity and intent. It was almost like they were they were playing for a one 0 win or something. It was it was strange the way they approached the game throughout. The way the PSG team played against Bayern Munich was pathetic as well. From Tuchel, it was you know it was there for it was there for for PSG to take. The team is so good. They had that team has to be trying to win games. Yeah. You can't be sitting back and hoping that. Hoping that Neymar and Mbappe can get a get a goal on the counter attack, go out and dominate the fucking game. Yeah. Your team is amazing. Yeah, he, he bottled that game, bottled it against Leicester, and he bottled today, but got away with it. All right, coming up, our final award category of the season. See you then.
Mike Ashley has turned Newcastle into a discount sports company and appointed a discounted bargain basket manager. Glenn Roeder, Kenny Dogalish, Sam Allardyce and Steve Bruce. What a fucking parade of cavemen. Like that is the only reason Andy Carroll is a professional footballer. Only Steve Bruce and Neil Warnock have got promoted more times than Mick McCarthy. That's not even a good stat because the good managers kept their teams up <laughs> and then progressed their careers. <laughs> Dean Smith will never get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Brendan Rodgers won't get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Pep Guardiola once again reveals himself to be a cunt. Do me a fucking favour, as if Jack Grealish needs to go play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to progress his career. <laughs> that is absolutely a step backwards. Put this on record, United won't be within 10 points of the title. I, I genuinely believe that, and I'm not even trying to exaggerate, it's not hyperbole. Three, four games of, of bad run, United are out of the title race, like that, and that will happen to them, that will definitely happen. What gets Sean Dyche out of bed in the morning? Like, how does he do it? Imagine how exciting a job that would be. Imagine coming home and saying to your partner, I got a new job! I'm a football manager! And then going out and doing that with it? What a waste of time! Steve Bruce is a graying pair of slazenger socks in the basket by the checkout that nobody wants. I'm going to start with a curveball. I'm going to bring the Vimin meter forward to the front. Why not? I don't know, I'm feeling a bit nauseous, Conan. <laughs> and I'm going to do it because I want to talk about Marvelous Nakamba. Now, I had this thought that this was his best game, definitely, um, that I've seen this season anyway. And we got an email, actually, from Column because there, there is an underbelly out there who really appreciates Nakamba and they, they want them in the squad a lot more. So I'll, I'll give Colin a say. He said, hi lads, think you've been a bit harsh on Nakamba lately. Surely he is now, <laughs> brackets eventually, due a well done from you. When he plays at centre defensive midfield, we tend to do better in my view. But what the fuck do I know? <laughs> and um, he was at the game today as well. He said it was great to be back. All the best. Enjoy the show. Um, that was definitely his best game. My issue with Nakamba is that it doesn't always do that. He was so tidy today. I thought he was in the right place. Maybe it suited that Villa were, were deeper in general. And he just had loads more players to, to pass it off to. There was, there, was, there was one moment especially, maybe two overall, but there's one in the second half where he, he just lost the ball with like indecision, a bad touch, and left Villa in trouble. He lost the ball sort of out towards the left. But thankfully, Matt Target was out around there as well, so he was able to slow Chelsea down. But, you know, it was one of those ones where things were going well, and then you're just like, oh, look at this! Like, you know, suddenly you're you're in trouble again. Um, unnecessarily, and that's, that's where a tidier player comes from. But I don't want to shit on him. Like, today, he's going up on the Vimeometer, definitely. Um, I think it's the biggest leap he's taken on the Vimeometer. I thought he was, thought he was really good today. I 
you know, I will say well done, Colin, but for me, I, I don't see a future where we're returning to him as our defensive midfielder. What did you make of him today, Liam? He was absolutely incredible. I mean, he was fine on the ball, which is a massive improvement. Yeah. But his defending was top class. His decision-making, when to press, when to sit, blocking off space, blocking shots, crosses, intercepting yeah. passes. Just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And the block on Mount in the first half, he handles that situation perfectly. Nakamba sees its Mount. He knows he has time and he knows he has ability. So he waits and he lets Mount make the decision rather than making it for him. And then he deals with that decision. And it's a tremendous block from a real powerful drive from Mount that would have caused serious trouble for Martinez, I'm sure. And look, we can only assume that Nakamba is another long-time listener. He knows I'm after him. He knows I think he can do. we can do better. <laughs> and, he know, and he has to know that Lang is, is scouring the market. <laughs> yeah, that that's always a threat lurking in the background for everyone. Well, it should be anyway. Like, you know, you're going to be Langed if you don't <laughs> get on with it, if you don't impress. Uh, but well done today, Nakamba. Like, he actually was brilliant. And if he was like that every game, then I could I could get on board with it. Um, and like you're, you're right to mention the block shots and the block crosses. Like, he, he went deep at the right time as well. It never seemed like he was deep for no reason. He was always there when he needed to be there to cut out those crosses or, or stop those shots. And, yeah, he was in the right place the whole time. And that's that's what you want. That's the best thing about a defensive midfielder. And, look, that, that's the best thing about Target this season. His positioning is, is top class. It's incredible. And when you have that, everything else often just falls into place unless you're absolute tripe. That's the thing with, with Target. That's when he. That's when his season started to turn around. That's when he started making the right decisions in terms of positioning. And the camera was so spot on with his today. It, it was just. It was his decision making. It was just absolutely spot on. Going up, Tyrone Mings, um, mostly for his interception from Ben Chilwell's pullback and. <laughs> Poor Timo Werner is waiting, waiting to, to slice it wide, and uh, and Tyrone Mings just comes across and ends it. He just just um, like comes across from left centre back into right centre back, read the pullback brilliantly. We always talk about that second six yard box. How often are they going to get caught by it? And Mings wasn't getting caught by it today. It helped that Werner was on his heels, but um, Mings just came across, read the ball, gave Werner a little bump of his arse out of the way. And yeah, decisive, strong defending from a man who was decisive and strong all night as well. Yeah, he wasn't decisive and strong all night. There was one, Chelsea had a counter-attack and Tyrone Mings just didn't do anything except just drift back into his own six-yard box. And he, and he's looking over his shoulder. He sees where Pulisic is, I think it is. And then he just keeps running back in towards a six-yard box and opens up the space. Target is slow as well to get across. And luckily, it's a dreadful finish. But no... Let's not let's not shit on him completely. He was very very good tonight, very very commanding, and Villa have three very very good centre halves. They really do because Courtney House is going up again third week in a row, and that's that's what you want. Like you want when somebody's stepping in that they can impress. And three three games in a row now, this man's impressed. Um, again, his position was excellent tonight. Like we know him as a a strong, athletic, good tackler and, and great in the air, but like he just read everything so it, it didn't seem like he was running much tonight because he just was able to cut in and knew where Chelsea were going um big help and I I, I think that there has to be a word for Kanza here as well um he was probably caught out for the goal or probably too narrow I don't know if he's caught out but 
he's just acquitted himself really well at right back the last three games as well. Three tough fixtures too in Spurs and Chelsea and Crystal Palace. Yeah, look, I know he's played a lot of games there, but he's not a right back, but he does a job. And we saw for the goal, but I think I actually think we saw it all afternoon. I think he looked a bit indecisive of his position. He wasn't sure of himself where he should be, where the Chelsea players are, where he should force them to be. Yeah, his reactions were a bit slow, but you know, Ezri Kanza is a prince among men, so we can just leave that there. <laughs> I I don't like I, I don't like seeing him peripheral. Like he's too much of a big character now. I think he's a essentially on that picture of the celebrations from the Spurs game. I think it's Jack Grealish jumping on top of Watkins. And you can just see in the background, Kanza just grabbing uh, Bertrand Ferrari. Do you know, like, he was the one who blocked the the clearance initially that, exactly. that set Watkins away. And, do you know, Kanza just looks like a leader now. And I don't like leaders unless they're attackers. I don't like them on the on the fringes of the pitch. Like, I, I like them to be in the heart, in the centre. And, like, especially a defender. He needs to be a centre-back, like, I think things need to be built around him. I appreciate the job he's done here in the last last two games. Actually, I remember Elmo played against Palace, but um, and nah, it can't it can't be the case going forward. And it's, it was so disappointing today to see well Gareth Southgate seems to always be there, but like you know it would have been another good chance for Kanza to show that you know he's a he's a he's a big man. He's a big player at centre back. Yeah, I mean Kanza. Kanza was showing classic leadership skills in that photo where he's you know he's encouraging the runt of the litter because he did the right thing it's not it's not easy to get the right thing out of Bertrand Trory particularly from a defensive setup but he was brilliant for that goal for Watkins the last game and Kanza was absolutely spot on to go straight to Trory and say well done yeah uh I saw a fucking BBC article there during the week where they were talking about center have options for the for the england national team who would you pick i think it was konza wasn't even one of the fucking options jeez when you're talking about people like tarkovsky and cody and eric dyer for fuck's sake i mean and even there when you consider who plays for them it's mcguire and stones with mings as the next option yeah i mean the konza is, is better than all those players it's just insane that he's not even being considered and the only time it's ever considered people say he's an england player of the future Watch him play. Yeah, he's currently that level. Better. He's higher than everybody else. He's absolutely insanely good. I thought it was particularly annoying when the camera went to to Gareth Southgate, and you heard Andy Hinchcliffe of his first spot on piece of commentary saying, "God, he must have a season ticket for here. He seems to be at every <laughs> Villa game I'm at. You seem to be fucking co commentating in every game I'm at, Andy. <laughs> Can't get a fucking way from you." <laughs> Yeah, I did see that article as well. Did you see who was one of the options in midfield? Oh, <laughs> oh I did indeed. So I actually forgot about that. I obviously blinked that out of my head. I wanted to make the point about Kanza and I just pushed this down to the deep recesses of my brain. Ross fucking Barkley. <laughs> Ross Barkley, who is behind Chuck Wemmicka. In the Aston Villa pecking order, behind Jacob Ramsey, like there, here's your English players, here's your English options. He's behind El Ghazi, he's behind, he's behind all these players. And Ross Barkley is still one of the options for the English. Like, was Jack Wilshire an option? Like, <laughs> what is this based on? Ross Barkley did a couple of good things a while back. Like, why not Wilshire? I'm sure he's still as good as Ross Barkley. 
But this is the thing. It's just absolutely pathetic people in your line of work. Is Ross Barkley has played for England before. This is the people who you're you're hanging out with, Conan. They're absolute <laughs> idiots. And not only does he put Ross Barkley in, during his little blurb about Ross Barkley, he points out that he doesn't make the Villa team anymore. Oh, my God. So started the season really well. Played well against Liverpool. You're right there. And then he says, but he's not making the Aston Villa team anymore. Why are you suggesting him for the most talented England squad of all time then? <laughs> He's in the same pool there as Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Jude Bellingham, Mason Mount, Ross Barkley. What the fuck is he doing there? <laughs> the Ronnie Rossenthal Award. Normally we start here. Let's do it. I only have three in fairness. You mentioned Ferrari's <laughs> lovely run. Like only, only Ferrari again creates this. He's at the edge of the box. Tame, tame shot. And John McGinn as well. Lovely run. He's got options to his right. Watkins to his right. Grealish to his left. Couldn't be better options. I think he's, well, he's right to take the shot. He is the best option. 18 yards out. Like, I know it's it's outside the box. That that has to be a better effort than that. Like, he's just bent it wide. Like, he needs to be hitting the target there. He needs to be scoring it when he give him away, get him away with hitting the target. Like, that. that's on. The keeper's just watching that drift wide. Bad, bad finish. It's terrible, yeah. He has to he has to put that on target. Absolutely no doubt about it. And the only other option I have is fucking El Ghazi's touch when Grealish plays it through to him. Grealish wants a 1-2. Like, Grealish has done amazingly. He thinks he's going to shoot the edge of the box. But then he thinks he's playing with people like Ross Barkley. So he plays it, he plays it into El Ghazi in the box and goes for one more so he get it closer. And El Ghazi... Like, I guess he like, balls up a couple of moves with Grealish where he tries to flick it back to him with no thought of where it's going. He's trying to flick it from behind his body. That would have worked this time. Instead, he's just taking a big heavy touch as Grealish runs by him and somebody takes it off him and Grealish is there with his hands out going like, like, he just just had to hit that in my direction any sort of way and I've got to go here. Yeah, it's really, really careless and it would have been an absolute screamer as well. And you're right, the amount of times that Jack Grealish trusts El Ghazi with the ball, yeah. he's just lending him the ball to give it back to him in a slightly better position and El Ghazi just cocks it up. To be fair to El Ghazi, and this is one thing that I, I always feel bad about criticising people for, he is always trying to do the right thing. He always knows that the 1-2 is the ball to play. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, there's just that bit of class. You have to have it. You have to execute that pass back into the star player in the league, give him the ball back, don't fuck it up. Maybe Grealish is just compiling a, a compilation video for for Lang to look at and just say, look, here's all the chances that I could have had. <laughs> if you just give me two players and I'm going to name them here for you, you know, put them in there instead. Maybe maybe Grealish told me to get Barkley and that didn't really work out either. <laughs> Anyway, we'll give that one to because it would have been such a good goal. I th- well, I think McGinn probably deserves it, but I'm going to give it to El Ghazi for balls and that move up. It would have been just a, an amazing goal and welcome back Jack Grealish in front of the fans. He just seemed to love it, didn't he? Like too too emotional of anything, but fuck, he, he was he was enjoying being back in front of Villa fans again. Ah, he was absolutely fucking loving it. Of course, he was as well. They were beating a top club. They were playing well when they got the ball. <laughs> yeah. It was just it was a great day and. There you go, Jack Grealish back, two wins. Maybe your question about whether or not we would have qualified for Europe if we had Jack Grealish is actually a valid one because we weren't that far off in the end. And Jesus Christ, what a player. He just changes, like I said last week, he just changes the entire dimension of the game. Everything else changes whenever Jack Grealish is on the pitch. 
everybody else lifts their game the other team have more things to worry about i mean and think about it as well i know i said this at the start of the season and i mentioned the start of this program this podcast actually the the step up from martinez to nyland like it's not only is martinez brilliant it's that nyland's absolutely dreadful and now in the last couple of games the step up from jack Grealish from ross barkley is just unbelievable yeah yeah, it's 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 Carrius Alice and stuff. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And Liverpool were starting with a better base. Like so imagine doing that for a couple more positions now next season. People who you might not be too against in the team, but if you upgrade them like that, like really sparkly, like Allison Carrius, boy, things can change. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. I only have two nominations. Courtney House trying to play a five meter pass to McGinn by caressing a volley over Pulisic's head. I liked it. That was the what? game. It was it was the right thing to do. There was two Villa players inside. He just has to get that over his head. I mean, Pulisic isn't exactly a renowned aerial threat. It was just, I, I it's funny because I saw that at the time and initially got annoyed. Then I thought, ah, if he gets that right, then the Camba and who did you say was there? Sorry, the other McGinn. Side. McGinn are both there. Both his centre midfielders. Is the pass is on. Let me reread that. Courtney House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point, actually. <laughs> uh, maybe you're right. Trying to do the right thing. We can't criticise somebody for doing the right thing. Uh, the second nomination. Ben Chilwell trying to score a volley every two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the one towards the end was so bad. Like, it hits off... It hits off the oh, outside no. of his ankle and goes yeah. flying out into the or into the crowd. It's ah, it's dreadful. They just yeah, grow up, Ben. In fairness, he almost scored the best goal I've ever seen in the first game in December down in in London, and like he just he caught it on the left and went zipping by the far post. But like, it, it was all night tonight. They know it was from the right hand side. It was from the left hand side, and every time like he wasn't catching it, like just fuck off. <laughs> you're left back you get, we're giving you loads of time out there like you take the touch and, and try and pull it back for Werner but then maybe that's uh, that's where it's coming from and to be fair to Ben Chilwell he, he should have had two goals tonight <laughs> like never mind the volleys he actually got into the back post too easily twice one was for the Martinez celebration and one was the goal well I've got a new nom- or a new category that's going to bring in what you're talking about the Ross McCormick, I don't want to see this shit next season. <laughs> Villa playing out from the back. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Aston Villa thinking that they're going to play out from the back and then fucking loping it from their own byline. <laughs> like, yeah, this is the thing that was fucking Villa over at the start of the last season. Yeah. With the fact that they kept trying to play out from the back and they just kept losing the ball and subsequently losing goals. Then just after lockdown, they decided, hang on, fuck this. If we get into any sort of trouble, we are lumping this up the pitch. And they had that a bit this season as well, but then they got more and more confident with their ability to play it out. And now they're just playing it all the way down to their byline before he lumped yeah. it out. It's, it's one or the other. I don't care if you want to lump it or you want to play it out from the back, but like they're fucking over the lumping system. Like they're, they're not giving a fair reflection of the lumping system because everybody's on the byline. Like you literally have four or five players that deep in the Villa team and then midfield have come deeper and then Per Watkins is up there and then we're just hitting it up to lose the ball. 
Um, and yeah, it's also just heart and mouth stuff as well when they're they are playing it around there, and it's for no reason. Like very rarely, remember they almost scored a goal like that not long ago where they did work it the whole way from the back up the pitch, and you know. I think they got the penalty in the end. Ross Barkley won a penalty. The move sort of broke down. El Ghazi got blocked. But it was an amazing move. But we all remember that one move that didn't lead to a goal. I don't know (laughs) how how fruitful this has been for Villa. Let's just just get rid and have the defenders and, and midfielders further up the pitch to be ready for it. Well, like, yeah, and the thing is, whenever they are playing out from the back, it's so hectic. It's so helter skelter. It's pinging it into midfield and then pinging it around the corner hoping that it goes to the player like John McGinn who had a good game tonight lost the ball a couple of times just playing it first time to where he thought an all Aston Villa player was yeah. no one there John have a look your centre midfielder let's not forget that <laughs> but the other thing is as well the the reluctance to lump it whenever you've got the best receiver of a lump pass in the world <laughs> up there as well yeah. so like that ball is on so often just spinning it around the corner and we saw that tonight again, even against three centre halves, the space that Ollie Watkins can find himself in is just unbelievable. Second nomination for the Ross McCormick. I don't want to see this shit next season. No protection for the fullbacks. And that is just magnified when you're playing against a team with two wing backs. And and then you're also very narrow with your fullbacks. And then you have Either El Ghazi or Ferrari or Grealish not coming back to help and just leaves all that space. It felt like it felt like twenty minutes of that game was just Chelsea players standing unmarked at the corner of Villa's box trying to decide what to do and no pressure on them whatsoever. Yeah, Bertrand Ferrari is absolutely brilliant at getting back and absolutely dreadful when he gets back there. <laughs> Anwar El Ghazi is not good at either. And Jack Grealish is just brain dead in defense. So yeah. I just doesn't know what he's doing. So whenever he ended up on the right wing, it was it was really, really stark. Ben Chilwell was having volleys for fun at that <laughs> stage. It, it is definitely something they have to work on because there's fullbacks, our fullbacks being narrow from a whenever we're set up defensively works so well. I mean, how many times do you see Matt Target just cleaning out the ball? Yeah. Works really well. Matt Cash, whenever he gets back there as well, is so so tight, so solid, reacts so quickly. And it is now the next stage is getting the midfielders to to tuck in as well and to do their job defensively. Yeah, that's it. It just feels like we're we're leaving that exposed too often. And I'm not saying that I want two Trezeguets now just to ward against that. But I want this I want the midfielders to either help so the fullbacks can keep an eye on that wing easier, or I want Yeah, I want players who can get up and down, or or play a wing back ourselves as well. You know, that's what if that's, if that's what you want and that's what you need. Just just to stop being so easily got at in those areas. Like I think Trory can learn because he he's got he's got all the the hunger and desire to get back. I think he can be taught how to defend because he has shown moments in the past where he has defended really well. And Villa will be signing an all our winger, so I I don't think Jack Grealish will spend a lot of time on the left wing next season I could be completely wrong about that but Jack's future has to be through the middle it has to be getting up as much space as possible and I think we'll sign another winger hopefully one that can defend <laughs> you like Lem Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award I only have one nomination Bertrand Shirori not El Ghazi yeah I mean 
both of them had died. It was I, I didn't. I, I was surprised as well. I didn't think it was a mad decision. He had completely gone out of the game. And you, all the good things he had done were up to the penalty. And then after that, he didn't really do anything. Um, he was definitely gone out of the game. El Ghazi wasn't in it. So maybe he thought, oh, El Ghazi normally does something. Let's see if he can do it this time. <laughs> it was just because El Ghazi was doing absolutely nothing. Apart from that one kick we knew that he got in the second half. 12 yards <laughs> out. He, he was doing nothing like Truri. Like yeah, he was losing the ball and <laughs> and maybe he wasn't tracking back sometimes. But you know, he was giving you something. Like this is one of the ones that I was just expecting to see, uh, or I am expecting after we've put out this podcast. I'm expecting to see some press conference quotes from from Dean Smith, just completely rubbishing my question of it by saying something like, you know, yeah, Burton Truri hadn't done any intense runs in the last 15 minutes. Or, you know, when he'll, he'll have all the stats to back up where he took him off. Um, yeah. But the yeah, boat should have come off. And I assume part of the reason he took him off was to was because of how influential Ben Chilwell was until he volleyed the ball and he was getting <laughs> into those positions over and over again. The big mistake Dean Smith made there, and this is probably should have been nominated for the You Let Glenn Whelan Take a 90th Minute Penalty Award, was making Jack Greeley staying over <laughs> to deal with the yeah. threat of Ben Chilwell. That was baffling. And Jacob did a much better job whenever he eventually came on. It's also weird that they moved him to the right and not the left, where he has been most of the season. And obviously, he's going to have more joy on the left. He's still grand on the right, but like, shift El Ghazi over to the right. He's not doing anything on the left anyway. Um, Yeah, it's a weird one. Maybe because... Jack Grealish hasn't played much football recently. He had forgotten how shit he was at defending, and he has seen El Ghazi for the last 10 games be dreadful in defence. <laughs> Questions we can't answer, but probably will. When will Brendan Rodgers get out of his own way? <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe that they have bottled that. Like, fuck me. Chelsea lost tonight. You know, just go and qualify for the top four. They, they got four points in their last five games. And the one win that they got was against United's under-18 team. You know, and, and all this, it always comes in the backdrop. That, honestly, this is two seasons in a row now where Leicester's collapse has started on the same day where Brendan Rodgers has a big expose on himself in the Athletic, talking about <laughs> how great he is. Like, it happened, happened back in February, March. You know, Brendan Rodgers' 10 rules for success. <laughs> based off a poster that he has on his wall which reads 10 rules for success he's obviously a brilliant coach but he's, he's too he's too caught up in this narrative of himself like he, he's always talking like he's the one that pushes calls himself a young British manager when he's not that young and you know he's, he's, he's well I thought he was Irish it doesn't matter if he's British or Irish but he, I think he, he's saying that because he wants that to be the he wants his currency to go up by saying that, basically. You know, and, and, and then there was an article that went out a few weeks ago and now there were no quotes. But you have to wonder who they came from. It was... There was a story about Brendan Rodgers getting the cleaning staff together at Leicester to tell them about how much they're part of the club. And there's a pile of boxes there that nobody wanted to move. But Brendan Rodgers said to them it would be incredible. Not good. It would be incredible if you can move those boxes. And the, the the cleaners were said to have felt ten feet tall after this conversation with Brendan Rodgers. Like who who else is telling that story? No, nobody else is ringing the Athletic up to say 
here's a good story for you. Only Brendan Rogers is feeding somebody that story. And and, and again, you have to you have to remember the details of that. Like he's he's telling somebody, and they felt ten feet tall after. Like, you know, just just get over the line. Get out of your own way. Well, who is fucking printing that story is is the bigger question that I have. I mean, yeah. how the fuck is that making it into a subscription website's article listing? Jesus Christ, there's an advertisement for not paying for the athletic. <laughs> but, you know, I think it being a bit harsh there, you have to remember that this Spurs team were desperately battling to try and qualify for the Europa Conference League. <laughs> they had everything on the line as well. No, it, and look, it is disappointing. And this is... I often use Brendan Rodgers as an example of it doesn't take a hundred games for a manager to to change a club's fortunes around to get a team playing better to prove that he is somebody who can take the club forward. He immediately came into Leicester and turned them around. He took the Leicester job at the same time as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took the Man United job. I think it was actually a bit afterwards, and he immediately improved Leicester and had them competing with Man United for second place, or so I thought, until Brendan Rodgers shits all over. My fucking argument about whether or not you need a few games to get a team being better. It's like it's it's unbelievable that he's done this twice. And look, it couldn't have happened to a better plonker. <laughs> Can you believe after all that Man United finished five points ahead of Liverpool? <laughs> think about this season like the amount of injuries that we talked about with Liverpool the amount of excuses that they were told they were throwing out United have finally pushed on they've taken the next step now it's title time next season you know they're the, they're the new contenders of Man City and they finished five points ahead of Liverpool Liverpool who supposedly the worst defending champions of all time they're having a nightmare season Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doing an amazing job and they finished five points ahead of Liverpool. Like, have they pushed on yeah, at all? It's, it's it's baffling the, this this narrative that United have have kicked on this season that they're now ready to take the next step. There's a big big difference between challenging for first place and losing, and challenging for second place and winning. Yeah. That's that, that's that's completely night and day. Manchester United were never in this title race, and the fact that they came second isn't a consolation prize. It's what they were trying to do. Think about that. This is what United were after. They were trying to finish second in the league. That's absolutely pathetic. If they won the Europa League, who gives a flying fuck? That is a consolation prize. They're in the Europa League because they lost their last three games in the Champions League. That's how they qualified for that competition that they're now desperately hanging their their season on. It's unbelievable. It really is. I've only got one more question we can answer, but probably will. Top four assault next season? <laughs> Are we ready? No, we're definitely not ready yet, but we you know we're ready with the with the the boardroom that we have and the ambition that we have. If we can get a few things right this summer, then we can definitely start challenging for Europe. I think that would be a big, big improvement. The Villa can sustain the European challenge for the full season. I'll be absolutely fucking delighted. And at the end of the day, that's all football fans really want. It can be frustrating whenever it doesn't happen if you come second constantly. But if your club can give you 
can give you excitement until the last game of the season. That's really what you're after. You want your team to be nearly getting there, to be challenging all the time. And even if they fail, fuck it, you'll come back and support them the next season. It's the fact that they're giving you something to look forward to every Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. That, in a nutshell, is why uh, a cup run is so magical sometimes. Mm. You know, like everybody remembers the 2015 Cup run. They remember the, the Liverpool game. They remember Dejan Lovren's 40 meter shot with his right foot at the very end. Like, that that's never taken away. Even though Arsenal went and hammered Villa in the final. Like, that, that stuff doesn't go away. It's still as magical as it was. And you still fought until the last of it. And yeah, like that, that like even the end of that season, like we got relegated the next season. You know, but there were some big results then. Like, there were some some big moments that you just talk about forever and you can still you can still feel it at the pit of your stomach like you laugh at me when we talk about Sherwood sometimes but when I when I hear Sherwood or when I look at those gifts of him ripping off his G-League against QPR it takes me right back to that time and it was madness like I always think of it as like remember Cool Runnings when the Jamaican bobsleigh team were going down the track and everyone was talking about how fast they were going but the bricks were broken <laughs> you know, it was like this was going to end in disaster. It was going to be a fucking crash, but it was wild. It was mad. It was record breaking. You know, and that, that that's that's the feeling I I have. And even when I think back now and I see Sherwood, I still get giddy thinking about that time. Yeah, it was mad. It was wild. It was reckless. Just like Dejan Lovren thinking he could put the ball into the top corner from forty five yards in front of ninety thousand fans <laughs> with his right foot. With his right foot. <laughs> I'm like, no. But and you're right. And every time I think of that, I just I remember me and you just giving each other a sideways glance in Wembley Stadium, saying, "Like, you know, if if Liverpool do score, we're obviously going to stay. Like, you know, we we'll just pay the four hundred quid for a flight later on tonight." <laughs> And we both were just absolutely accepting of that. It's like, yeah, fuck it, of course. 30 minutes of Villa trying to get into an FA Cup final or 400 quid. Take the money. Yeah. Take the money. Um, And that's that's it, really. That's it. I suppose one last question we can answer that I should throw at you was, do you think that we would have made it to the end of the season doing a podcast after every game when we first started out? I am surprised that I haven't had an aneurysm or my head just hasn't kind of exploded at some stage <laughs> during the season because there have been some infuriating moments that I'm surprised that I've come back. I'm sure if you go back over your phone, many games that Villa played this season, maybe 42 was it, 43 if you take the cup runs in obviously. Mm. The amount of times I've just texted you, you know, five minutes before the end of the game saying, I'm not doing a pod mate. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this. There was one stage that he actually just didn't appear for 15 minutes. And I was like, is, is it, was he being serious tonight? Is this the one? Like, he actually isn't in the podcast. I was just standing at my balcony with my hands behind my head, just breathing in the air, thinking about life, thinking about life as an Aston Villa fan. Uh, but it was a good season overall. And to be honest, this was uh, this was fun. Thanks a million for everybody who's listened and got in touch with us. Um, really has been has been great hearing everybody actually enjoying the podcast it's 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 amazing like we just decided to do it because well we were locked down for one we had nobody else to whinge about to or whinge to about aston villa and we, we also like just talk about aston villa all the time anyway do you know so we thought we might as well just press record as we we're doing it so we're really delighted that other people seem to have gotten someone out of it too 
that's the thing like yeah it's, it was it's mad that we didn't do it before because it's absolutely no skin off our nose of what do we do every time aston villa are playing we watch the match and then call each other afterwards and talk about the match <laughs> make each other more and more angry as we're doing it why the fuck not ricardo yeah why the fuck not make everybody else just as angry as you? <laughs> and for that you are all so welcome <laughs> look we're not saying bye because we're not going away for the summer. We'll we'll do some podcasts throughout the summer. Might even uh, get involved in some Euro talk as well. I, I don't know. I don't want to spring this on you, Liam, but uh, England are announcing their squad on Tuesday, so we probably could knock thirty minutes out of Kanza not being in. <laughs> um, so look, look, I'll chat to you on Tuesday about it. <laughs> but, uh, but just uh, like honestly, please uh, subscribe as well. That that does help help keep the thing going. Um, so if you do subscribe on whatever apps you're using. Then like you'll you'll see us popping in throughout the summer. Um, obviously when the games are back, we just go when the games are on. But but we're not going away. It isn't goodbye. Um, but thanks a million for listening. It's been a good season. As much crying as we've done, fifty five points. I would have taken that at the start. There, I said it. But thank you, and we'll leave you with this. How many goals would Villa have conceded with Nyland in goals tonight? <laughs> Well, Connor Hurrahan would have scored an OG. Correct. <laughs> Has El Ghazi ever fucking controlled the ball first time? Only whenever he's hitting the ball first time 40 yards over the crossbar. No, 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 Liam, Liam. We've had this discussion before about people like Ronaldo. Like, you, don't, you don't take them off because they can do something like that. You were comparing Ross Barkley to Danny Drinkwater four weeks ago. <laughs> and now you're comparing him to Cristiano Ronaldo. Such a strange decision. A decision that was grounded in months of evidence that Ross Barkley is afraid of running, afraid of tackling, afraid of the football for fuck's sake. I was just trying to make an innuendo there about John Terry. Yeah, I don't think we dragged the show into that. <laughs> If by the end of this podcast I say that Matt Target had a bad game tonight, then I'll apologise for that. <laughs> but every time I've said Matt Target was shite, he was shite. Like, you know, this is the type of shit to get people talking whenever you're trying to watch a football match with them. People can't be trusted to have the correct opinion, so I just avoid them. The camera caught them and she goes, He does look like a cabbage, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Oh! <laughs> it's a fucking disgusting tackle. Get off the pitch and don't speak to your children for a week. <laughs> you got Burnley Player of the Year. Think how low that bar is. He got Burnley Player of the Year because he did exactly what was asked of him. Put his head down and hit the ball high. Like that that's how you get Burnley Player of the Year. That is not an achievement. He's winning this category. Fuck that. <laughs> he was covering for Jack Grealish and Ross Barkley like you would not believe in the last 15 minutes of that. He was left back a few times. Unbelievable. That's our centre forward, and that's not an instruction. That's just him seeing that Jack Grealish is brain dead in defence and thinking oh, for f- I'm not losing this fucking game that I've tried so hard to win
<laughs> I'll get back, you lazy little prick. <laughs> well, the good news, like, well, it's not even good news because it's a double game week. Like, you would think, well, Barkley won't, like, one of your bench players will now come in, but Barkley will play someone against Sheffield United. So, the, like, the good news, you're falling into the trap of thinking that anyone gives a flying fuck about your fantasy football team. <laughs> Hit the fucking ball. I don't care what food it's on. If I did that, I would sob myself off. <laughs> I mean, he had the same chance six oh. times. The same fucking chance. You think just even by a fluke, he would, he would hit, hit the ball better this time? finally came out and addressed those Cristiano comparisons <laughs> you know, how, how do you feel about being called the next Cristiano Ronaldo and he said I'm the only Amaro Gazi Mings was going out of his way to make Joel Dutton look like fat Ronaldo before he was fat <laughs> when what he actually is is a fat Wesley <laughs> he's my favourite ever player to watch I'd watch Villa if I didn't support them in the same way I used to watch Real Madrid games to watch Zidane or Barca games to watch Ronaldinho. Yeah. And now he's gone. The future is bleak. But what I didn't need, Conan, was you harassing me since Friday with <laughs> fucking tweets from in the know fantasy fucking football managers. <laughs> Why do you keep bringing up Gareth Southgate? <laughs> Gareth Southgate is a fucking Rick. <laughs> Do you remember how excited I was 36 games ago and you know how easily you won me over by saying, Oh, it'll be good crack, we'll do a podcast. You're <laughs> such a fucking cunt. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 